Welcome in, everybody, to episode four of Dolphins Now, presented by VSG. We're going to talk week one. The NFL is back. If you're not excited, leave, because we don't want you here. Check your pulse. It's Mike McDaniel season. We're going to talk box score. Who had a good game? Who had a bad game? You'll never know unless you listen to us. So take a seat. Grab a drink and let's talk some football. I'm Chris Audio and I'll be your host this week, joined by Garrido. What do you think of week one for the Miami Dolphins? Man, we finally finally got through week one. Been looking forward to forward to it for well, about four weeks or so now since preseason started. And uh it you know, it it, it lacked fireworks. You yeah. know, it wasn't like the the craziest game or anything like that, but um, I don't think we expected it to be. You know, the Patriots and Dolphins historically um, have had a couple of fireworky game f- games for the for the most part, though. Um, they're two very good defenses playing against each other, uh, teams that know each other very well, and I think we kind of saw that through the play. Um, you know, twenty to seven. I think I think we left a I think we left a couple touchdowns on the board. I think Definitely. Miami should have probably scored about thirty five. They were playing their cards right. Um, you know, one of those was a defensive touchdown, so uh, probably looking to score a little bit more on offense. But overall, I thought the Dolphins played really well. A lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, some thoughts, positive and negative, coming out of this one. Uh, definitely not overreacting. It's week one. It's early. Lots of football to go on for, uh, for this season. Uh, so um, yeah, it's kind of like my, my few shower thoughts off the, uh, you know, off the start, kind of, um, you know, post game whatnot. Uh, but we are going to go uh, straight into the box score. We'll get some of Crispy's opinions. I'm gonna we're gonna switch it up a little bit. I'm gonna go ahead and run the box score, and um, I'll kick it over to Crispy on some some different uh, players, kind of giving your opinion on some things, and kind of go from there. Uh, it is uh, currently uh, Wednesday when you're hearing this, and it's uploaded. So, a couple days to process everything. We'd like to get these podcasts out a little bit earlier if possible. Um, this week's been kind of crazy. Yeah, we had some things but, come hey, up and. Schedules yeah, didn't exactly meet, but we're still getting yeah, you the podcast this week, and uh, hopefully in the future we can we can be a little more on top of things. Absolutely. Um, all right. So, as if it isn't the elephant in the room, uh, Tua Tungavailoa, 23 of 33, very efficient, 270, and a touchdown. No interceptions uh, in this one. Um, lots of opinions on Tua once again after week one. Especially you that know, first throw. Especially the first throw. Was it tipped? Was it, you know, the high snap? What exactly was it? Yeah, we, we are aware. Um, you know, look, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll be brief with the way that my opinion is on this. It doesn't matter if the ball was tipped or not, in my opinion. Uh, more so, uh, Crispy has sent me one of the clips slowed down, and it looks like Judon's pretty much in his face. So he had that pressure also. It was a horrible snap by Connor Williams in the yep. first snap of the game. Nearly almost went over his head. Um, you know, Tua is only six, you know six one, barely. Uh, so, you know, that snap was like above his helmet by like I don't know about six inches or so. It, he was he was full on like trying to catch that ball, and you can imagine that that probably startled him a little bit, especially you know trying to get a you know a thirty yard strike to Tyree Kill off the first play of the game. Yeah, I mean it's uh, the first game goodness, of Week One. You've got all kinds of jitters back there, and then adding in a high snap to it into a, a, what we consider to be a timing-based offense 
it really throws <clears throat> pardon me it really throws things off there yeah um yeah it, with all things considered uh it definitely there's a lot of moving parts there that you know you you could you could give them excuses but i'm, I'm gonna be real for a second look if, if Tua makes the throw probably a touchdown on the first play of the game because tyree kill had no one around him yeah I think there was a safety in the middle of the field and Tyreek Hill probably going to make he's probably going to make the safety miss so he'll just run past him exactly so I mean yeah there were there were reasons to give him some slack but you know it's week one I'll give you that if it's week three we're playing the Bills and in a in a, in a game like that you really can't miss on some of these throws that I felt like to have missed on he wasn't as sharp as I've ever seen him he wasn't anywhere near as bad as I've ever seen him I think he had a, 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 I think he had an average game at QB. He limited the mistakes. He got away with a couple of mistakes. I think that he could have probably been on a stat sheet. I think he got a little lucky um, on a couple of different plays, made some bad decisions here and there. Um, he he did show a little bit of lack of ball security. He did fumble, um, and, and luckily Connor Williams was able to drop on the football. Um, yeah. So he saved us a big one there. Some questionable decisions mid sack as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, he had uh, an intentional grounding call when he was falling down, tried to just shove it out. Um, you know, there there were a lot of little plays here and there where I'm just seeing him, and I'm and I'm I keep it I keep it 100. I love Tua, big supporter. I'm not saying it's a problem. I think Tua is going to leave this game very happy, going 23 for 33, 270 and a touchdown with no picks. He's gonna he's gonna leave this game saying, "Holy crap, I need to play a lot better." I think that's what Tua is thinking. And you know he's hard on himself. He's he's going to be thinking that. And I don't think there's any reason at all to panic. I think that this team kind of trolled their way with a lot of mistakes in 120-7 because we have an elite defense. If Tua can somehow become a little less conservative, be sharp in all quarters and assets of the game, and really put everything together, I think that... He's going to light it up. I still believe in it. I think that it's in him. I've seen him do it against Arizona and against Kansas City last year. He's he's had a lot of big moments where he's shown that he can push the ball down the field. Why he's so conservative in some of these games, I'm not sure. And I'm hoping that McDaniels can kind of unlock that key for him to, to take the next step um, into developing into to the quarterback that we need him to be to compete with like Josh Allen and the Bills and other teams in the AFC. Um, the only other play also that I didn't like too much was towards the end of the game when we were trying to score, which I, I like the aggressiveness, but uh, he was running to the left and he could have easily ran for a first down, but instead he threw just a duck in the middle of the field yep. and like skipped it to Tyreek. Um, again, not really sure what he's thinking there. <laughs> like he, he, he beat the, he beat the outside guys. He could have ran easily for three yards for a first down or however long it was. Why he threw the ball at the ground in front of him. I'm not really sure. Yep. And I promise you, he's he's watching that film, and we're going to see a big step up in his game into week two. Um, you know, it is the first game. He hasn't had a lot of run at it. It's a new offense. There's a lot of moving parts to it. And there's also no film on these teams that they're going up against. There's no way to game no plan film. for it. Yeah, You can look at what um, they've historically done. You're going to look at quite a few different things. But there's no solid film to know exactly what their tendencies are in the current season yet. So yeah. now going into week two, we'll finally be able to see how this staff game plans for an opponent with film on the board. 
Yeah, and I think it I think this is a textbook overreact moment from a lot of the Dolphins fan base. And I'm not I'm not surprised. Um this is what this is what a lot of the you know Dolphins fan base will do along with the major media outlets. You know, they will cling on to one bad throw and they're gonna they're gonna ride with it, even though Joe Burrow throws four picks in his game. And a know, fumble loses this, an upset and a fumble. So, you know, I saw Russell Russell Wilson <clears throat> underthrow multiple targets in the primetime game against the Seahawks. I saw Josh Allen underthrow. I saw um, Tom Brady underthrow. Um, I've seen a lot of QBs throw a couple of you know questionable passes. But at the end of the day, Tua's going to get that slack, and us as fans need to just sit back and not overreact to things and let it let it let it go. I mean, the guy won. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, this 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 schedule, this league. There's only one thing that matters. It's it's win or a loss. Yep. But to keep things in perspective, to to make sure we continue the W's because those kind of elude us towards the end of the year, in the big games like the Bills when we have a pl- a, a play in yeah. a play in and win situation and we lose by thirty. This is the the things I'm talking about. We we need we need an aggressive Tua to go out there, use his skill set. And do what we know that he can do. Like, period. That's what that's what we need to do. Um, the last thing I'll say to you, and, and I'll let you uh, get any final thoughts, Crispy, is uh, I thought the game was called beautifully by Mike McDaniels. I mean, I thought it was a... We finally seem to have an identity. Um, I love the play calling. There was a lot of open looks that he, that he crafted, a lot of movement pre-snap. We were the second most... Um, pre-snap movement team offense on in the in the week uh the only one that was ahead of us was kansas city yeah um you know so i love the pre the pre-snap movement with tyreek running yeah. around and tyreek did almost Jalen running double around and the amount of pre-snap yeah, I mean, motion that he did in uh in kansas city last year so yeah um on the throw to i uh, know going for it on fourth and five and then scoring out of it uh I know Brian Baldinger broke down that play, and he he had he had pointed out that Tua used his eyes to move the corner a little bit inside, and moved him to or so I think it was a linebacker moved him to the left and just darted it to Jalen between three guys, a perfect pass. Like that's that's the guy that we got right there. That's a beautiful throw, a, flaw, a perfect throw, in stride. Jalen takes to the house with the, with the speed that he has. I mean, there's a lot of great, um, a lot of great stuff that I saw from the offense. Uh, I just wish we put up, we would have put a, a little bit more points, but overall, uh, I thought it was a great called game. I thought Tua played fine. I thought he he played as an average quarterback, you know, on Sunday. I think that's what he was, um, and I think that he has a lot of room for improvement. And I think that he knows that, and I think that we're gonna see it. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if you have any more thoughts um, on that, Chris. I know we kind of dove into that a lot. Yeah, I'm gonna take a little bit of a deeper dive on Tua and this offense. Um, there's a guy on Twitter. If you're not following him as a Dolphins fan, you should be. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at SmartJames1981. Smart guy. He posts all kinds of statistics that a lot of people don't have. Um, for instance, on the 12th of, uh, 12th of September, he posted the pressure ratings for Tua Tungavailo. And when he was kept clean... He completed 65% of his passes, 17 of 23. Sorry, 64.9% of his dropbacks were kept clean. He had a completion percentage of 73.9% for 200 yards and 8.9 yards per attempt and 115.3 rating. 
when he was pressured, which was on 35.1% of his dropbacks, he was 60% completion, 6 of 10, 65 yards, 6.5 yards at, uh, per attempt, and a 79.2 rating. When he was blitzed, which was on 40.5% of his dropbacks, he was 9 of 15 passing for 60% completion, 87 yards, 5.8 yards per attempt, and a 76.3 rating. When he was not blitzed, 59.5% of his dropbacks, he was 14 of 18 passing, 77.8% completion, for 183 yards, 10.2 yards per attempt, and 127.5 rating. Comparing that to last season, Tua did not look great under pressure. And I think a lot of that had to do with how often he was under pressure. But we've seen him make improvements in two places that I saw needed drastic improvement last season. And that was the intermediate range in the middle of the field and throwing under pressure. And it seemed like he's made decent improvements in those areas. Looking at I would agree. I mean, it's it's week one. You know, we're gonna get a better feel the next two weeks, right? Ravens and the Bills Definitely. coming in. You know, so we're gonna really learn if he if he, you know, is and has improved. But absolutely agree with you. A step in the right direction for sure, uh, coming from week one. Those I did see the numbers for the the blitz rate and his effectiveness off of that. That's a really great sign. Yeah. Uh looking at our offensive line, which was <laughs> inarguably our worst aspect of the game last season. Last season, we were ranked 32nd in offensive line play, and we gave up an absolute, uh, an absolutely absurd number of pressures on Tua. Well, week one, we ranked in at 14th in pass blocking. This is what we asked for. We didn't ask for an elite offensive line. We asked for an average or slightly above average offensive line. And that's what we have now. Looking at just week one. It's a small sample size. So again, we're going to get a lot more information here over the next couple weeks. But looking at week one, we got what we asked for in an average to above average offensive line. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, with that increase in efficiency as an offensive line, me personally will be demanding an a, a increase in efficiency from our quarterback. Yes. The, the better your O-line gets, the you thought there was pressure on Tua before. If your O-line's giving you time in the pocket and, you know, it's dramatic, like going from 32 ranked to, let's say at the end of the year, we're ranked, you know, top 15. If Tua doesn't have that 50%, you know, 50% improvement, right? Yeah. In his, in his play... It, 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 you know, it, that's something you need to look at. I mean, I looked at Geno Smith, you know, last night. You know, he looked phenomenal. You know what I yes, mean? Like he, he was throwing the second level, the third level. He was throwing with velocity. But how much he of that is around. a not as good or lackluster Denver defense? Because a lot of it, from what I understand, held on to their previous head coach, who was very defensive minded. And he's not there anymore. Yeah, right. We don't we don't really know exactly, you know, that the teams we're going exactly. up against yet and the effectiveness of those defenses. So obviously divisional opponent, right? Yep. 
you know, the Broncos and Seahawks know each other well, just like the, the Patriots and, you know, the Dolphins do also. So, yeah, we don't know. I mean, who the I don't know who the Patriots play next week. Oh, I'll have to look at that real quick. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see who the Patriots play next week, you know, just to see after week two, also kind of seeing what the Patriots do, you know? Yep. How, you know, how did their offense perform against, you know, the team in week two? How did their defense perform against week the, the two, team? Week two, they're at Pittsburgh. So there you go. Pittsburgh coming off of a big win against the Bengals. Uh, they looked pretty decent. It's going to be interesting. You know, you know, does 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 Pittsburgh lose? Do they do they blow out New England? Like, it, that's where you start to really get to, get to you know, learn a little bit more. Um, you know, but with all things considered... Like, you know, like I said, you know, the, the O-line and the improvement in play there is, was noticeable. Um, it was a little scary. Austin Jackson went out, and I think he's still out and going to be out. So, uh, yeah, he's we're got losing him. an ankle injury from what I understand. And uh, if he wants to be cleared to play Sunday against Baltimore, he has to practice Thursday. So my gut says that Greg Little will probably start at right tackle. Um I know he stepped in for Austin Jackson, so I, I would expect him to go yep. in also. And I trust um, I trust Greg Little. I do too. I'm used to, I'm used to seeing him play left tackle, so it's a little interesting to see him on the other side. I, I haven't seen him play at the right side, but it goes to show you the faith they have in Greg Little. Yeah. Um. You know they. You know McDaniel's obviously has seen enough from him to to put him on that side. And when he did play, I, I mean I thought he did pretty well, but I did look at his his Pro Football Focus score, and it wasn't as high as I thought it was. Um. So. Uh, but I think you know if he starts the game at right at right tackle, I'm confident that Greg Little will do will do just fine. Um, yeah. You do have so to yeah, take no, PFF scores with a grain of salt, though, because sure. they did um, rank Ryan Tannehill's performance over Patrick Mahomes' performance somehow. But no, I think that uh, I think that there was an error with the Patrick Mahomes thing. You think? Yeah, I did some research on. Okay. It. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's there's gonna be some moving parts. At one point, I you know I don't want to I don't want to take this out of you know I don't want to go too far into it, but hey, you know the the Dolphins faced a little adversity in the middle of the game. They they lost Austin Jackson to an ankle injury. Then they lost Craig Little right after he yeah. came in to help out. Then Teron uh, Armstead went out of the game uh, for a series. So at one point, they moved Greg Little from right back to left. They moved Robert Hunt at right guard at, at right guard and slid someone out to tackle. They were they moved around um, some guys uh, to to fill a hole, two holes deep, and then Teron Armstead out of top of all everything else. And I don't think you could really tell the O line came seemed to keep it together, and it and it probably has to do with the fact that we're playing a lot more heavier packages with a lot of help to to kind of help the O line and make sure that we you know, prevent any leakage from some blitzers on the outside. So, yeah. uh, you know, the Dolphins did face some adversity. Um, so don't, don't, you know, keep that in mind too, um, is that we did lose three tackles at one point throughout the game. Yeah, a lot uh, of stuff guards, happened this so. week that shouldn't be happening regularly throughout the season. So absolutely be expecting some much better performance on average throughout the season. Um, before we move on, I do want to hit two last little points here regarding Tua. Uh, again, both things from smart guys. So if you're not following him, go follow him. He puts out some great stats. Uh, Tua played 23 games before the Mike McDaniel era. In those 23 games, he had three 
at or above 8.2 yards per attempt. In the Mike McDaniel era, we've played one game, and he's already at or above 8.2 yards per attempt. If that tells you anything, it doesn't need to tell you anything about Tua. It needs to tell you something about the play calling and the oh, route combinations. And, and the, the yak that we're getting from, from Hill and Waddle, for sure. Yeah. It's just, it's a clear difference between Steph from last year and years prior to this year. Which is why I was telling Crispy before we started the podcast, I, 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 I need, <laughs> I need to, uh, to, I need him to throw for more than a touchdown a game. If, if we're going to stay in these games with the better, with the bigger teams in the league, like the Bills and, and the Chiefs and some of the other higher powered offenses, the Cardinals and the Chargers, if we want to stay in those games, we have to be more aggressive. And I don't think it's about not being able to. McDaniel said in his presser that Tua had a great week of a week of practice and that he had, and before the game started, he gassed Tua up saying if he went into this game, the way that he approached practice, that we would see something from Tua that we've never seen before. That we would be, we would be taken back by, by what he's done. It's been spectacular. And then after the game, he said to himself, he said Tua didn't do quite what he did in practice, but we'll get there. Um, and I think it goes to show you that probably in practice, he's probably getting to that second read and that third read and pushing the ball down the field and taking some shots, getting his guys open, buying some time. You know, I think to get to it to the next step of his game, he's got to get there. And I am confident, very confident he's going to get there. But my God, I'm going to say this again. We're going to learn a lot about this team in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. A lot. So I, I'd say um, by week four, we should be able to give a playoff prediction whether or not we're going to make it. Well, for sure. I mean, it's kind of nice, though, to play the good teams at the beginning rather than the end this time. Oh, yeah. So at least, we, at least we can go ahead and go up against the best and the Bills, you know, in two weeks and really get a good feel for what we're going to look like. I mean, that's going to be in Hard Rock. It's going to be a great game. Dude, it's going to be great atmosphere. It's going to be great to go through the first four weeks of the season and end up 4-0, and 2-0 and in the division. Man, that's go. going to be a hell of a start. Uh, All right, moving on to... Actually, I have, we're one more. Score. I have one more. Okay. I have one okay. more thing real quick. Real quick. Last season, in any game, Tua only attempted four deep passes in a whole game. Once. Today, he had four attempts. Not today. Sunday, obviously. Well, you play football today. Uh, yeah, he played today, if you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, he missed one to uh, Alec Ingold. Yep. Um, that was just off his fingertips, and... Um, I believe he missed one to, he had a couple to, to, to Hill that Hill like Moss and brought in. That was another bad throw. I'm going to say it. I didn't like that throw. I don't think he, I think there's a little bit of miscommunication on that. I don't think we're throwing jump balls to Tyree Kill. No, no. Um, I, I think quite yeah. honestly, he wanted to take that shot and might have last minute seen the safety that was coming over and decided to underthrow it and kind of give Tyreek that chance giving your super your, your your superstar wide receiver the shot to go up and beat a rookie corner. Yeah, I, I, I've been a quarterback, too, in some flag football games. I think that's one of those where you throw it and you're like, oh, crap, and then they catch you like, oh, yeah, I meant to yeah. that. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's one of those. Uh, but Tua, that, was a, uh, that was an RPO. That was an R run pass option play, and he just threw it up to Tyree yeah. and he just one-armed. <laughs> you know, so 
you know, those those plays are not. We don't need Tyreek winning jump balls. We need to hit him when he's in the middle of the field, wide open. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Oh, so yeah. like that's. I agree. You know, but yes, I, I do. I can. I can appreciate. You know that stat in itself. You know, four deep shots. I don't know if they were like terribly deep. I'm trying to think of like anything that was super deep. But no, I think, I think 30, 30 to, I'm assuming that's over 30 yards. I'm assuming. I think it's over 20. To be quite okay. honest, is what they consider, consider deep. I wouldn't consider over 20 deep. Me personally, I'm thinking like over 30, 40 that's, is probably deep. You know? Yeah. But uh, if the stats based off of over 20 from last year, well then there you go. It's still still a stat. You can say over 20 um, yards, four in one game. Yeah. So. Looking at that intermediate range again. Last season he was. 51% completion with only five touchdowns. Just today, he was 71.4% in a touchdown. So, yeah. obvious improvement in that immediate, intermediate range. Uh, another place that we expected to see growth. And luckily, we and he did. He is going... He's going to continue to grow. Yeah. It's week one. Don't overreact. If Even if he came out of this game throwing four touchdowns, well, yeah. I would have overreacted in that too. But, um, you know... It's not a time to to press the panic button, you know. Let the kid learn the offense. It's a this first year in the offense. He's he's gonna get it down. Trust me. But yeah, um, twenty right. minutes into this, go ahead and take us through the rest of this box. I score. mean, let's be real. A, a lot of what everyone's <laughs> talking about is Tua. I mean, that's really yeah. the main thing, right? You've got to cover um, the rest, it. Honestly, um, honestly, the rest of everything else is pretty. There's a couple of head scratchers here and there, but for the most part, everything was pretty much expected. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's the the gist of this game. Yeah. I mean, we were all. Watching Tua, that's what we <laughs> were watching this game for. Tua to Tyreek and Jalen, like we, you know. And I think the only head scratcher there was slightly Tua, but definitely yeah. not overreaction at all. Yeah, hopefully that's what it was. Hopefully this is the only week we have to spend twenty minutes talking about Tua, and uh, in the yeah. future we can just kind of go, hey, great game, move on. Hey, it's, it's what we expected. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving over to the running back room, uh, it did seem like Chase Edmonds did have uh, the backfield primary job um he was only 12 12 for 25 and only averaged 2.1 yards a carry so not necessarily a, a great game by any means by chase edmonds i but keep in mind that the patriots have a really good defensive front but keep in mind that the ravens also do with the nada and the bills also do with jordan phillips yeah. so we're gonna have to learn how to run i mean you know and that may take a little bit of time the run scheme that mcdaniels uses is very is very complex um it requires a lot of pulling guards and a lot of stretch plays and not your traditional pounded up the, the middle of the, you know, middle hole first when you see it. it it's not as clear cut as that. Um, so it's going to take a little bit of time, but I did like the fact that regardless of the run effectiveness, it looks like we still ran the ball 17, 19, 18, 19, 24 times total, everybody at least. Uh, two is don't really count. So no. 27. Um, so, it, you know, at least we still uh, ran. I think I think what we did is we ran it enough to keep them honest, to keep the play action effective. Um, and so that's what's important with this offense. Um, but I definitely would like to see a little bit more production from uh, Chase Edmonds in the off offensive line. This is also a uh, very stingy run defense. So it's only keep that in worse. mind. Yep. I mean, the best teams have a stingy look at the dolphins like we had a stingy i thought we had a stingy run defense and yep. you know they kind of they were running the ball on us they got quite a some bit yeah the they definitely got yeah. some <laughs> so um yeah it's it's again i i take this patriots game as one that i thought we would really step on the gas pedal you know 
and it, and it could be that because the Patriots just were they had a momentum coming into the game. Um, and that's that's kind of why I'm uh, some of these takes I'm taking like 12 or 25, 2.1. Eh, probably need a little bit more production there from Chase. But I thought he I thought he played well. I thought he looked good. He looked quick. Um, I like that he was hitting the holes. Chase Edmonds is not a three down bad guys. This is the first time he's done this in his career. He's been a substitute for um, James Conner coming in as a third down back, usually a pass catching back. So it's good to see him run the ball 12 times. A lot of the runs I saw were up the middle. He's going to learn. He'll, he'll, he'll get better as time progresses. He did have four catches for 40 yards too. So that was the bigger part of his game. He made some crazy catch and runs uh, throughout the game. Some really mind-blowing ones where he like kept his balance on the sideline and like contoured his body yeah, and that ran was, up field. And, that was one insane. that worried me about his his knees. His knees worried oh, me on that good. one. Yeah. Um, you know, he made a couple really great, really great plays. Uh, Raheem Moster, five carries for 16, three and a half, uh, 3.2 yards uh, per carry. And then we had a couple rushes from a couple receivers. Uh, nothing worth really mentioning here. Um, going over to the receiving room, um, we had uh, obviously the two big dogs, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Tyree Kill, eight for 94, 11.8 yards. A great game from Tyree Kill. I mean, we saw this guy flashing all over the field, looking faster than everyone on the field. Um, he's just, he's a menace, man. He, he's insane. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, Jalen Waddle obviously got helped a lot with his one catch and run that was for like 40 something yards. Um, he went four for 69. Um, he took a little bit to get involved. Um, I think he went like two, like a quarter or two quarters before he even got his first catch. I but, think it was like a just over a quarter before he got his first catch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just over a quarter before he got his first catch, but then he did gain a little bit of momentum there. Um, I like to see Jalen Waddle catching in the first drive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this, this guy's insane. Like, come on now. Um, again, growing pains. You know, you know, Tua was 23 of 33, and Jalen and, and Tyree Kill only, only caught 12 of those. And if you think about it, that's kind of crazy. Because if you would have told me that together they would only catch 12 and the other team would catch the other half of the catches, that's still pretty good for two. I mean, look, he threw one to Jasicki for a yard. It didn't really count. Trent Sherfield got one. Alec Ingold got one. Darren Smythe got one for 14. Raheem Mostert, one for 16. Cedric Wilson, two for 20. So it's a good sign from your quarterback that he was spreading the ball around. So don't don't keep that, you know, don't take that lightheartedly. Anytime that a QB can spread the ball around to nine players, that is a good sign, guys. That's a good sign from a QB's perspective that he's making his reads and his progressions there. Um, so you know, don't you know, uh, don't don't always look at every little thing as. Oh, he needs to do better. Like the guy threw it to nine different guys. That's stuff that Mahomes and them, those guys are doing. Not every, not every QB does that. You can look around the league. You won't find that. Um, oh man, Mike Jasicki, uh, Chris, I don't know what's going on with this guy. Uh, I don't know his future in, in my, I tweeted about this earlier this week. Um, I'm, and I said it, I believe on a podcast, uh, before the year started, I think Mike Jasicki is going to be a trade candidate come the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, he did not play anywhere near the same uh, amount of snaps as he typically would. Um, he was very ineffective. I never really even noticed him playing. Um, I saw Durham Smythe in there a lot. Yeah, Durham Smythe out-snapped Mike Gesicki. Yeah, I mean, I really, really believe that Mike Gesicki will be traded 
prior to the trade deadline. I think that he, if he has somehow a big game at some point, I would say he's traded right after it happens. That is literally how I feel about Mike Jasicki. I don't think that he has a spot in this offense. And I think Mike McDaniels has noticed that, um, you know, the only thing I'll say to contradict my own, my own take, but I've been taking on it for now a couple weeks now is that the Patriots typically shut down Mike Jasicki historically. Yeah. Um, Mike Jasicki doesn't tend to do well against the Patriots. You can fact check me on that. Um, Bill Belichick is good about taking away their number one options. And Jasicki has been that for us for a little while. So he typically has a lot of very poor games against the New England Patriots. So again, <clears throat> it's possible that this could have been a one-off. It's only week one. I'm not going to overreact, but I did kind of feel this coming into the season, which is why I'm saying it again. A little weird what's going on with my Jasicki and more so than the production, the, the snaps, right? <sighs> Smythe out so, snapping Mike Jasicki. It's a little, <clears throat> little scary. Looking at a website called StatMuse, Mike Gesicki versus the Patriots. Over all of his combined games against the Patriots, he has 12 receptions on 24 targets for 107 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, they shut him down. The, the, the only thing that you'll say here is, well, now they got to shut down Tyreek, and they were doubling him a lot of the game. Yep. So that should naturally There's one play up. where if you look on the All-22, Tyreek is streaking upfield, and he's running straight into double safety coverage, puts his hand up like he's free, and <laughs> yeah. still gets free. Yeah, he's insane. It's actually it's on that shot that, uh, that Tua takes to Alec Ingold on the sideline. It's that oh, play. Yeah. So it's on the same side of the field. I don't know if Tua didn't see him, didn't feel like he had the arm strength to get there. I don't know what was going through Tua's mind, but he ended up taking the Alec Ingold shot rather than the Tua sh uh, the, the, the Tyreek shot that would have been a touchdown had it gotten there. And you know what I'm saying right now? I mean, look, I'm not giving Tua a hard time, but hey, we paid Tyreek Hill a shitload amount of money Let's throw it to him over Alec Ingold. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, let's not throw fade balls off on the sideline to a fullback. Like, let's take the no shot. No matter to how it. good your fullback is. Nah, nah. And he had a lot of time to throw that ball too in that play. He I did, remember yeah. it. So his feet were set and he made that read and he fired it out to 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 Ingold, which was a really good throw. But, you know, not very, not, not a great, you know, it's not a receiving fullback. So, like, yeah, I mean, you take the shot to Tyree Kill regardless in that situation. Um, I do know the play, and it was crazy that when he put his hand up, he was covered, and then he was open. Um, but he knows his speed. I think he can see by the way that the defensive players are set, if he can get past them or not, and I think he's done it enough time in this league. If Tyree Kill puts his hand up, I'm just I'm hurling that ball as far as I can. Yeah, period. Yeah, you're getting that out there to Tyreek. Yeah. Um, all right, so that, that kind of wraps up the receiving end of things look nothing shocking with the receiving part i think it's gonna be a great year for our receivers um we did have an inactive um easy e for this week yeah. um we saw craycraft get uh brought up from the practice squad for this week's game um mcdaniels was questioned about it in his presser and i i believe he just said uh you know it's good for the rookie to be able to sit and anytime he can sit back and watch the receivers play it's good for him so uh -huh. if i had to put anything on it, it's probably him just kind of learning the playbook He's a rookie. He's young. I forget and exactly I think... where it was, but Easy mm -hmm. E was questioned 
on why on being inactive for that game and he he put it on not being the best all-around receiver and only being able to play in one spot right and he said that as his experience in both this offense and the playbook grow and expand and he's able to go out and fill more spots along the wide receiver line then he'll get more opportunities to be active during game day rather than us elevating practice squad guys that have that experience yeah yeah so with with due time uh he'll he'll make his way in um we saw what he did in preseason so i'm confident that uh he'll he'll get back in there. yeah he's here to stay he's sure. not a wasted draft pick like uh one of our first rounders uh, Jason Sanders was two for two, hundred percent. He had a forty-nine yard field goal for his longest. So great game by Jason Sanders. Uh, he was perfect. And then also, I really like the game from Thomas Morset. Let's not. Oh, let's not. Hey, this guy pin four punts, one hundred and eighty-three yards total, average uh, forty-five per punt, and three punts inside the twenty. Uh, one of them that was inside like the two-yard line or something like that. Interesting stat. Um, uh, Thomas Morstead's average punt distance over his career is fifth in NFL history. There's more to it. Nope, that's it. Oh, okay. It just kind of yeah, surprised no. me that he yeah, was no, that he's, easy he's to historically acquire. a great punter. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's historically a great punter. That, I think it, it, goes, it goes a little unsaid about how much of an improvement Mike Polardi to Thomas Morissette was. That's a dramatic... Mike, Mike, or Michael, Mike, Mickey Mouse Polardi was not very good. <laughs> um, so it's it, it's nice to have someone that has a veteran leadership like Thomas Moore said that's there who's going to guarantee us some great punts. So that definitely helped us flip the field a lot. Even when our offense was stalling, uh, we were able to to pin them deep. Well, and he was zone, able to so take that uh, real low, uh, real low long snap there, dug it out of the dirt, and still got us a good punt out of it. Yeah, pressure in his face and everything. So, seems like our our special team situation has finally been figured out uh, fully. Uh, our defense seems to be running well. Um, there was a, a report. I think it was from Barry Jackson. Talked to uh, uh, Baker, Jerome Baker, and Baker told him that you know Flores was rarely in the defensive meetings. So, there you go. That. That just kind of lays that whole argument to rest. Flores didn't have very much of anything to do with this defense, and we know he didn't do much with the offense. So why exactly was he here? And why does he get credit for much? Yeah, yeah, it's a... I'm, I'm moving on from Brian, Brian Flores, so... I have no comment on, on him or whatnot, but it was good to see the defense still performing the way that we've seen them in the past... Makes me confident going to play into Baltimore next week. I agree. Um, so it's it's good to know that Josh Boyer's got a you know got his shit straight. He's he's gonna hopefully approach this game the way that he did last year with a couple different new wrinkles, so that way they can't be over prepared. Yeah. But I think in, in the Patriots game, you saw a coach that outcoached the other. I agree. I think that Mike McDaniel's outcoached Bill Belichick, and that's why we won more than anything else. It's um, hard to not outcoach the guy that thinks a co-OC situation is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so I mean that pretty much wraps it up. There's one other thing I want to point out is point out is that Connor Williams is actually the 
uh, highest graded center yes. out of all the week one slate of games. Yes. So wanted to wanted to point out. Really happy about the way that Connor Williams played, other than his high snap off the first start of the you know snap of the game. Uh, had a really great game, especially in the run offense. Um, he was graded very high in run run blocking. Um, a little bit of a setback in pass blocking, but that's pretty much exactly what he's always been in his career. Um, he's been known to hold a lot, and he didn't have any penalties, so that's a good sign. Um, so very, very, very good stuff early from a, a really young center. He's only 26. This guy was drafted really high coming out of Texas. He's a really good center in, for the Longhorns, and he, he had a little turbulent start in his career in Dallas. Um, he was pulled because he was having too many holding penalties, and then he was put back and, and performed really well in 2021. I don't know if you know this, Crispy. He only allowed one sack in the whole season last year on Dak Prescott. So I did hear that. He is he he is statistically really performed at a very high level. I think we really got a steal with Connor Williams. Yeah. Um they and we locked him in on a on a contract. I mean, this is a great sign. And I think it's a, a fantastic sign from Mike McDaniels in this in the team the coaching staff that he's put together. These guys know what they're doing, man. I mean, I was watching the Broncos and Seahawks game and I was watching that coach fumble that game for the Broncos. And I'm just oh, like, God. my God, I'm so glad we have Mike McDaniels <laughs> coaching our team. Yeah. That, Holy crap. That was a whole, whole nother slew of stuff in that game. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, that game was something else. Um, so uh, yeah, we're looking on to, um, you know, next week, you know, playing in Baltimore against the red hot Ravens who just absolutely just stonewalled the Jets and put them on their ass. Yeah. So the Ravens are coming in ready to ready to rumble. Um, man, I, I, I'll say this again. You know, they have Devin Duvernay and Rashad Bateman. I think that we're going to absolutely lock down those receivers. Uh, Bateman's still the young. He hasn't really broken out yet. Devin Duvernay is like a four string receiver. Um, you know, I really don't think they have very much talent after losing Hollywood Brown. I think that if we can, if we can lock up Mark Andrews, I'm, I'm putting Holland or Eric Rowe if he's back next week. Uh, I think I'm he's putting Holland or Rowe. Yeah, I'm putting Holland or Rowe um, on Mark Andrews, and I'm just locking up the other guys in man coverage, and I'm sending the house of Lamar. I, I'm doing exactly what we did last year, except they have a worse offense this go around than they did last year, and they have no running back, so. You know, Gus Edwards is just coming back from injury. J.K. Dobbins is hurt. This team is banged up, and they're expecting Lamar to do everything. And we've shown that we can contain him yeah, and really make him a passer, which he struggles at. Man, I, I'm really, really, really hopeful of a really strong game for Miami against Baltimore. I think we just, right now, which is rare for me to say because Baltimore has always had our, our number in the past. Yeah. But with the teams, the way they're built now, I feel like Miami's kind of built to counter what the Ravens like to do. And that's extend plays and let their receivers get open and use their tight end. Well, we have literally, in my opinion, Brandon Jones is phenomenal. Yes. He is so good. And especially he showed, I've been, I've been high on Brandon Jones. That man is so good at timing snaps. Oh, like yeah. he, oh he's one of the like, that's blitzing safeties. When it, when in the it league. comes he's, to timing he's really snaps, good. he's almost on the same level as Troy Polamalu. Absolutely. Yeah, this guy and he even hides himself. He'll hide himself by a linebacker and just like come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, he, he's he's really underrated. I think he may be one of our most underrated players on defense. 
Um, but man, we have Javon Holland, Eric Rowan, and Brandon Jones, you know, to 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 work on Mark Andrews. Um, we have uh, we have Kohu who's who's coming out of nowhere uh, to help out in our slot corner, and then Nick Needham on the outside if we don't have Byron Jones back. Um, with Xavier Howard locking up their number one, like, I, I expect Xavier Howard to lock up Rashad Bateman for the whole game. I think he'll chase him around. Pretty I think they respect yeah. him enough. Yeah. Uh, you take one of their number one guy, and we have Nick Needham on Duvernay. We have no reason to not shut this offense down. Now, the only way that they win is if they can play protection and make Lamar Jackson a quarterback, and somehow he becomes a pocket passer. That's the way that they're going to win, or if they run the ball. Um, yeah. You know, they didn't do either one last year. So uh, I, I am actually very bullish with our game coming into Baltimore, um, and, I, and I think that we're going to do really well. Um, I'm very excited to see this team continue to, to continue to grow and continue to learn and learn each other and learn this offense along with our defense being um, very top tier and elite. We didn't even see Jalen Phillips last week. I thought he kind of disappeared on us a little bit. Yeah. So I expect him to get it going. Um, he did recover that that fumble by Nelson Algalor at the, at the end of the game. Yeah, he was so, the one to recover that. So I, did, I didn't see too many pressures by him. Um no, yeah, I don't know the I don't I don't know what he was up against. I don't think we had a whole week. lot of pressure in general in this. Yeah, game. we didn't blitz much. We just blanketed everybody. Yeah, <laughs> but at some points we dropped back. We really were against what we typically would do. We would line up everybody at the line, and sometimes we just send everyone to play man across. But this time we sent three guys at some point. We yeah. just dropped everyone back and just made Mac Jones take a check down. And we still sacked. And it them. worked. It still sacked him. Yeah, yeah, it worked. I mean, Zach Sealer. Uh, has played just so good. And then Emmanuel Ogba had a sack. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the D-line has shown with very minimal guys, which is four or three, they can still get through. And I think that Josh Boyer is learning that and saying, hey, we could just sit back and play coverage defense and send like, you know, seven corners to go play coverage and then send four. And we have a chance to possibly get a sack. Yeah. Um, so, man, I, I just think that we match up so well against Baltimore. I really do. Um, so I'm excited to play against Lamar. Um, he obviously is, is so much fun to watch. It's going to be a great matchup. Uh, 12 o'clock game or 1 o'clock if you're in Miami or, or uh, 10 a.m. if you? you're in Pacific in California <laughs> over here on the West, West Coast. Yep. Um, or uh, let me let me uh, if you want a filibuster, I'll check the weather for, oh, that's, for that game. That's going to be a hell of a weather game. We're in Baltimore. Oh, man. I don't I don't think it's going to be quite a cold game. Because we're not, we're not too late into the season yet. I mean, we're still oh, not September. at all. It's actually, it should be it pretty plays warm. In Miami's, yeah, it's playing at Miami's strengths here. It's a high of eighty nine, low of sixty nine. So you know what the Miami's going to feel right at home. Humidity is going to be out there. Out there? Uh, I don't think it's too humid over there. Fifty um, percent. Oh, there you go. So pretty pretty um, similar think, to Miami. Maybe not as humid, yeah. but. Yeah, still it's still cooler than what Miami played in this past weekend. Tell you that because it was like oh, 100. Yeah. It felt like 100 and like 80 percent humidity. Uh, I think it, <laughs> it was, was hot as hell. They were measuring it at like 110, 112 on the field in Miami Sunday. So yeah. definitely much cooler than what they just had to deal with. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for our recap. No, and, and... no, it doesn't. Oh no. No. Oh, okay. No. No. I gotta ask you a question. Oh. Yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, we can't. This has become a tradition. Now. We have to. It's do a tradition. This. We have to do this. Absolutely, every throw it at me. I want to know your pick for DPOY. League wide. League wide. 
Oh, man, that's a tough one. Oh, man. I don't know if I could spit one out that quickly. And I know my one of my go-tos would have been TJ Watt, but he just tore his he just got hurt. So, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. So he's out of there. Man. Um, with the way things are going, I wouldn't be surprised. Just judging off of week one, I wouldn't be surprised if Minka Fitzpatrick was up there in the running. Uh, he had a great think, game against Joe Burrow. <clears throat> now, I'm not saying it's going to continue. Four picks. Yeah. I'm not saying that's going to continue through the rest of the year. But just looking at the box score, which seems like that's what all they do. Uh, week one, I'd say he's up there. Hmm. Right, but then you've also got to look at J.J. Watt's still in the league. I think the I think I don't think the Watts are. are Javon winning. Holland is still in the league. Javon Holland is in the league. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I can't really give you one right now. Uh, I, I don't I don't feel too strongly about anybody yet. I mean, defensive player of the year is a very hard call uh, to give early. Um, and there's not really anyone that I'm like drooling over at the moment. Okay, let's let's look at the last few here, right? T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Stephon Gilmore, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, J.J. Watt, J.J. Watt, Luke Keekley, J.J. Watt, Terrell Suggs, Troy Polamalu. Yeah, none of none of those guys. You, I mean, obviously the later ones, obviously because they're not in the league yeah. anymore, but. Uh, I don't think Aaron Donald is going to win it this year. Um, no, uh, that defense seems like it's kind of changed. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I don't think they're going to win it. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a defensive back win it this year. I'll say this much: there, there definitely isn't a home. Like, if you told me any of those, if you would ask me this year, I would have said T.J. Watt. He's hurt, so my next thing goes to like the next best D end because typically those are the guys that kind of get in a, maybe you know, a miles Garrett. Race. No way. No, no. I mean, I would go Bradley Chubb before miles Garrett. He had a great game against the Seahawks and he's their other guy on the other side. Let's see. Um, I, I just, I, I don't there, in my opinion, there isn't anyone that's like a home run hitter this year. Um, I think it's going to be someone that we don't, we're not really thinking of, but it's someone that will emerge as the year progresses. So the top five right now in betting odds for DPOY is Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa. None of them are going to win. Put that on record. None of the guys you just said are going to win. So if you want to win some money, don't pick any of the top five. I think it's going to be a defensive back. Yeah, I, I, I'm not away from DN quite yet. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I don't think it's any of the top five guys you said. Michael Parsons won't because, well, their season just ended it gets, um, because it, of Dak Prescott. Um, Aaron Donald, in my opinion, won't win it again. Uh, who else did you say? Uh, Miles Garrett. Miles I, Garrett. I don't think he's, yeah, he Parsons. hasn't been. Yeah, Miles Garrett, ain't, Miles Garrett is not winning it. It's not going to happen. Aaron Donald, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa. And the Bosa's, I know I'm not seeing it. So, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't know yet. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna give you an answer. How about that? I, I'm gonna defer to come back to it in a couple weeks, maybe. Um, if I'm just giving an absolute blind pick, Devon Holland. There you go. I'm gonna blind. pick Xavier Howard. 
Hey. You know, two past breakups. A spectacular one. Javon Holland already has a pick. He does. He, you know, you know, so don't Courtesy sleep on Javon X. Holland. Courtesy of X. Hey, it's still it's unfortunately it's gonna no one's gonna know that. It's gonna go to the stat sheet for Javon. So mm -hmm. You know, if, if he can, if he can, Javon wasn't really all over this one, uh, but he's definitely becoming a household name around the league. So um, I think that if Javon Holland has a great year, he actually puts himself in a pretty prime position, especially if Miami ends up being a playoff contender late in the year. I would 100% have Javon Holland in the mix, especially depending on how he has, you know, statistically wise towards the end of the year. Yeah. Um, not, not being biased. I think Javon Holland's a top three safety in this league, baby. I think he really is. He's special. Special. Man. Betting really isn't showing any love to Xavier Howard. No, I don't I don't think I don't think he realistically has a shot just because he's already been phenomenal and he's still they have him like not even as a top five corner. He just gets shafted. Yeah. That's just what they do to him. Um, so I just don't I think that more so than anything, Vegas kind of knows that part oh very possible but uh any further comments um no i mean fin's up and uh we'll, we'll see how we fare against baltimore it's gonna be exciting it's gonna be a good week i'm excited for some of the matchups around the league uh starting on thursday between the chiefs and the chargers that's gonna be a hell of a game god I'm very excited um, for that, especially for fantasy. I got, <laughs> I got Justin Herbert at quarterback, so um, hoping for a big game. Yep. Um, but yeah. Uh, until next time, we'll we'll check back in, uh, hopefully a little bit sooner next week. But it's been a blast uh, with you, Crispy, as always, and uh, I will be catching up with y'all after and when we play and beat Baltimore. Yeah. All right. Thanks for tuning in to episode three. No. Three. No, this is episode four, bro. Four. Four. Wow. That went quick. Oh, wait. I have one more thing. All right, go ahead. I have a message for somebody. Mm. This message is for Adam Archuleta. Commentator with Greg Gumble on CBS. This man had money. On the Patriots, I bet. I never want to hear this guy broadcast another Miami game for the rest of my life. And I promise you that if in the rare case that I do and am a part of a view a viewer, a, a viewer for another game with Adam Archuleta as one of the commentators, I will literally mute my TV. Because this guy literally ruined the game for me. I cannot stand him. He's the most biased commentator I've ever heard in a sports broadcast ever in my lifetime. And uh, I know a lot of Dolphin fans were with me on that. I um, I saw a lot of tweets about it. I saw some people being like, I thought Dolphin fans were overreacting, but nah, it was bad. Um, this guy this guy was horrible to listen to. I gotta I mean, he see. Was really he, bad. Did he go up on the mountain? Up on the mountain? Oh, you haven't seen the mountain? No. Oh. But regardless, I, I don't want to see this guy. I don't want to hear this guy. He was awful. Um, I'm not happy with that. I'm not happy with him. Um, at one point, um, he was saying to Greg Gumble, he said, he's like, 
So, so Greg, what I'm saying is that, you know, Tua, you know, really seems, you know, what it looks like to me is it kind of seems like he's exactly what we thought he was from last year. And, and Greg almost like, well, I kind of want to watch the whole game to make that determination. Well, like even he's sitting there like, dude, come on now. What's going on? Um, I, I can't, I can't stand him. And it just really irked me. And I'm not typically one to get mad at, at stuff like that. I'm not, I'm really not at all crispy knows me i don't complain like this very much about anybody but this guy literally just just took a lot of the fun away from the game for me um usually a lot of the commentators i really enjoy i genuinely enjoy them um this one was bad yeah so adam i hope you step on a thumbtack before you go to sleep tonight step on a lego bro um brain over speaking of the mountain you can find him on twitter at captain of art he is the Dolphins' official artist. I say that sarcastically. He looks at all of the takes on Twitter. And he photoshops people with bad takes. He photoshops their face upon Cuck Mountain. In order to bring notice to how much of a cuck they're being. So... Wow. If you're not following him, go follow him. A lot of Twitter shoutouts today, and, uh, Yeah, yeah. If you missed the other Twitter shoutouts, uh, go 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 back and listen to them. Go vote, go give them a follow. They're all useful follows. Um, but yeah, if you're ever unhappy with somebody regarding the Dolphins, uh, just at the artist, and he'll make sure he gets up. That person gets up on uh, on Cook Mountain and gets the recognition that they deserve. So with that being said, if there's no other further comments, thanks for tuning in to episode four of Dolphins Now, presented by VSG. We'll hope you join us next week for week two at Baltimore. Don't forget, use code VSGX on the FitAid store for any FitAid product products. Almost said projects there. That was weird. For any fit aid products, this has been Crispy Audio. And Urito. Till next week. Fins up. Fins up, baby. Peace. <laughs>